And hey there, hi there, ho there, hello there, and welcome back to another exciting edition of the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour Podcast, where we discuss the joy and excitement of UofL women's athletics and certainly some exciting things that happened over the last week. A lot of wins mixed in there, a lot of a tie, which we'll cover a little bit as well, but Friday was perfect as both volleyball and field hockey got wins. We'll discuss those, plus a little of their other action from the weekend, as well as soccer's uh, tie against a very good Indiana team. Uh, all that coming up for you today on today's edition of the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour podcast. We have three on board today, as Jared so eloquently stated. Daryl was out taking care of bats today and couldn't join us for the broadcast. I wonder if she's got a secret bat cave. You know, does she just like put on her Cape Crusader outfit? (laughs) She's down with the Louisville bats, that's what she's doing. And then Case has decided that uh, he's going to uh, take a little time off and go to somewhere exotic, I guess. I don't know whether he's on vacation or where he went or anything, but he did tell us that he was going to be off for the next couple weeks from the broadcast. Uh, thus came the also fun event of trying to schedule who was going to write for him on his day that he was off. <laughs> but I think we've got all that straightened out as far as I know. Of course, uh, with my memory, the guys will have to remind me exactly who writes on what day. That's okay. We can do that. We have old Jeff and Jared and me, Paulie, in the house for you. And we got a lot to talk about today, so it'll be a lot of fun. Can we talk, as they used to say on the talk show? Yes, we can, and we will. So uh, let's kind of start it out like we like to do with the guys and kind of see how their week's been going for them. Jared, you've been uh, busy taking photography in multiple locations, sir. Yeah, uh, they've got me running all around campus so far. Uh, a couple volleyball matches or so in the last week, and uh Finally got a chance to go back over to field hockey now that they've chosen to return home and been down at Lynn Stadium with some women's soccer. Was out there for men's soccer the other day. Uh, plenty more teams home this weekend and also football comes home next weekend. So it's it's certainly a busy time of the season for me. I was certainly uh, glad to see you over at field hockey yesterday. And Jared actually helped me up the steps that have no rail on them. Uh, there's a Actually, when you walk to the press box at field hockey, there's a series of, what is that, about five or six steps there that lead up to uh, the press entrance to field hockey. Yeah, there, there's first few steps that are just outside the fenced-in area. And you'd think they'd probably had a rail or something at some point, so it's odd they have it. You would think there would be one there, but there is not. And in my old and infirm knees, uh, making such a maneuver makes it pretty tough on me, so... Jared helped the kindly old man up the steps, and so you get your merit badge for that. Uh, the rest of the stadium's fine. They got rails for everything. I can get up and down the steps fine on those. But uh, come on, UofL. Or maybe they don't own the property. Maybe that's McDonald's property there. I don't know. I, that's interesting. I don't know. Uh, I don't know where that line yeah, is without, down there. Yeah. Without seeing some of the property yeah. lines, it's hard to say have to see the blueprint so maybe i find i find it hard to believe that mcdonald's would voluntarily put in steps like that for basically on behalf of the university level that That's just doesn't seem point. like a thing that a corporation like that would do 
that is a very good point. And I know that they're very persnickety about their parking there. Yeah. Uh, witnessed uh, some of the Louisville interns who have thought that they could get away with parking over there by that entrance to the media uh, viewpoint up there have been really surprised when tow trucks show up. So just don't do it. It's a bad thing. But uh, Jeff, what's been going on with you this week? Uh, You know, the, the new normal at work is just constantly busy. Uh, It's, um, you know, the, the uh, size company it is just kind of, kind of, makes that a, a given now but uh having a ball with that enjoying it i'm super happy with with i'm about three months in now to this gig so it's a lot of fun so we did our quarterly planning yesterday that was uh several hours with a bunch of people some great discussions and, and ideas flow around there so that was good uh otherwise loving being a volleyball fan right now it's pretty good um not perfect but pretty good and uh you know we got some great uh matches still coming up uh got one today got uh got one midweek uh that's that's always an interesting one so more on that later and just have you know love and life right now yeah and the acc uh, network extra did show you on your downhill charge a couple times last night I saw that yeah yeah i gotta i gotta shout out uh stephanie cantway who uh made name marsh who played at L back in you know, 2000 six seven somewhere around in that range when i first got my season ticket she was on the team and uh, i loved where uh they showed a guy in the stands helping those two kids figure out how to do the put the l's up with uh-huh. left and right hand you know because you do it <laughs> different directions and uh the the play-by-play guy said yeah you know that's that's a small thing and stuff he was like no that's a big thing <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing about that. That's, thank you, that's Stephanie. Right. That's that's great. And, uh, and that, that is important because for years I was accused of doing the cards cheer backwards. It's easy to learn it backwards because yeah. if you're learning it facing in someone, you're mirroring them, and then you end up doing it backwards. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then I was told uh, by a couple of friends, hey, you need to really turn that cards cheer because I would do it sometimes at gatherings. Yeah. people would gather to watch games i would lead a cards cheer if we were doing pretty good yeah but i was doing it backwards <laughs> so just life is for me uh, just another day in the life uh, glad to be attending some sporting events although my knees are complaining to me very loudly today about doing so i've done it and had some fun with it and uh, got out and did some stuff uh, so you know we're, we're we're rolling on here on the fall schedule is what we waited for all summer long we're having fun with it now and a lot of good things to report to you, including our scheduling and Twitter information uh, with a case not available to handle that for us today. I flipped a coin between me, Jeff and Jared. What kind of coin was that, Paul? I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I don't have a three headed coin. I said, Jared's going to do scheduling and Twitter. And he gallantly stepped up and said, I've already got it pulled up, man. So take it away, sir. Yeah, we'll go on and uh, start with Twitter because that's going to be the shorter of the two things. Uh, got a couple of folks out today. Daryl's with the bats. She tweets out as at Daryl Fest 4. That's just the number four. Case, who's also out this weekend, tweets out as best case scenario, and that's just BST in the word best. Uh, Polly tweets out as Cardinal Couple. He definitely had plenty of field hockey uh, tweets going out last night. Jeff's got a couple of accounts. He's got at Jeff McAdams and at Car Couple Radio. 
I don't think too much with volleyball. Maybe a couple of retweets later on after the match was over. And then I tweet out as at Mr. Anderson Jared. Uh, so we got Twitter knocked out fairly quickly. Uh, but moving over to schedule, it's pretty jam-packed, actually. Plenty of stuff going on. We'll start with today. Uh, staying on campus. We've got some events going on on campus. Volleyball. Quick turnaround for them. They will go on and face Lipscomb at 7 o'clock at LNN Federal Credit Union Arena. Uh, Lipscomb won the first match. They took down Xavier, so Xavier and Purdue will square off in the first match at 4 o'clock. Uh, they should be clearing out the arena between matches just due to the sold-out crowd. So if you do attend the first one, prepare to have to exit the building to come right back in. It's also separate, on campus, it is separately ticketed, so be aware of that. Separately ticketed. Oh, yeah. so if you want to head out to that first one, uh, yeah, be ready to spend a, a few extra bucks. Yeah, probably won't be a lot, but a little bit, yeah. Yeah, or just be like me and just show up for to watch the cards play, and, and you're all good. Uh, just down the road, men's soccer is hosting number seven Duke, so that'll be a top 25 matchup. Uh, free admission down there if, uh, for you soccer fans. Moving on to Sunday, we're looking at uh, November 11th or so. Yep. Did we lose Jared? Jared? Yeah, we may have. Yep, he dropped. Okay. All right. Well, as we know of a couple of things that are going on September 11th, uh, a very, very big matchup for Louisville field hockey and a top, top, top five matchup against Michigan. That'll be going on at noon, Jeff, and uh, certainly should be a lot of fun to watch that. Uh, Indeed, I don't have game. my yeah yeah. It's going to be big, as, yeah. as Coach Sowery said yesterday. It should be a rip snorter. Yeah, so I love it. so I got I pulled up the schedule here. So on Monday the twelfth is women's golf, uh, and the thirteenth they play. It's the Cougar Classic in Charleston, uh, and then maybe the highlight event of the week wednesday evening at 7 p.m now this is a time change uh so be aware of that at 7 p.m in lexington volleyball takes on kentucky uh that is a top 15 match i think top i'm not 20, sure I think maybe. it's definitely top 20 i'm pretty sure yeah. i don't remember exactly where kentucky is rated right now good team as they usually are um Let's see. Uh, in women's sports, let's see. Friday field hockey hosts North Carolina. That should be a good match. North Carolina is always very good. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then Saturday women's golf in the Schooner Fall Classic in Norma, Oklahoma is an all-day type event. So that'll be before we're on the air next week. So uh, that kind of wraps up scheduling. So yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. That's we don't know what happened to the mysterious goings on of Jared leaving us, but maybe it was something we said. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Got to be ready. Got to be, you know, got to be ready to be subbed in at any time, right? You've got to be fast. And, and right. uh, kudos to you for getting up scheduling and uh, information so quickly there as I was uh, trying to add live a little bit about a very, very big field hockey match that's going to be going on Sunday. But, hey, we were not going to start with that today or anything like that. We're going to take you all the way back to Thursday night, golly gosh, where the women's soccer squad at Lynn Stadium brought in the Indiana Hoosiers. Yes, IU came in to play the cards in a match in uh, 
I really like their uniforms. Did you get a chance to see those, Tiff? With the- uh, I did a little bit. I got to watch a little of it. Not a lot, though. It's kind of a – their colors are crimson and cream, and they're yeah. kind of striped. Yeah. And uh, it, it's very it's very eye-catching, very attractive. And they also have big numbers, which help, too, if you're up there in the press box trying to figure out who did what. Uh, in this contest, though, there wasn't a whole lot to figure out who was doing what because it was a scoreless 0-0 tie between the two squads. Uh, the actual – fourth tie of the year for the Hoosiers. I wonder how they're liking that new rule. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, slowly but surely accumulating points, you know. That's... I'm sure they've got to be saying themselves, you know, last year we would have had at least two overtime periods and then a shootout this year taking losses. Uh, I didn't dare ask Karen Ferguson days what she thought about the rule change uh, in the post-game comments, but uh, you know, it was, it was a contest where both teams had their chances here. They, they had some opportunities. Uh, it was alumni night, which was great to see all the alumni, even alumni that had played back in the old Cardinal Park, Jeff, from years ago. Wow, yeah. Showed up for that. Uh, uh, Jared got to uh, get a photo made with him and Amina Ekik and also Allison Woodfield. Always good to see Allison Woodfield, too. Absolutely. And there were a lot of... Uh, Alumni there. Unfortunately, I did not get a chance to talk to any of them uh, being up in the press box. Amina was wearing Cardinal gear, not racing yes, gear, you know, which is, you know, you certainly understand if either way she goes on that, but she was repping the cards on that. So that's, that's always cool to see as well. And I never really realized how tall Allison Woodfield was. Yeah, she's fairly tall. Yeah. I mean, because you don't think of soccer players generally as being all that tall, but as other than like goalkeepers, know. but yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, she she was there. Quite a few other alumni were there. The cards, uh, second straight, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, draw. Uh, and it was the game that there, there were shots going on. For example, the teams did combine for eight shots on frame on goal here. Yeah, the cards, uh, you know. Five to four lead shots on goal here. Uh, one of the things that I thought about this is Louisville ran into a very, very good goalkeeper in uh, Jamie Gerstenberg for IU. Um, she made some very, very good stops on Louisville during this match. Uh, even early on, just 14 seconds into the match when the cards got the ball, moved down there, got the ball to Carson Cherry. Uh, unfortunately, she just fired one over the top of the the crossbar. So uh, an opportunity there where she tried to score. But uh, there were other chances for Louisville in this match too, Jeff. Uh, in the 14th minute, uh, Gerstenberg, uh, I'm not sure what she was thinking there, but uh, took a back pass, you know, and then didn't know what to do with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, ended up losing the ball to Savina Zamberini, and, and it was right there. She was out of goal. Savina, all she had to do was just kick it into the goal, open that in front of her. Unfortunately, she uh, fired it just a little right of the sidebar, and a miss on that one. Yeah, it's, it was one of her three uh, shots, on shots. Uh, one of which she did was able to put on goal. But, you know, of course, scoreless ending, ending here, so, you know, credit to the goalkeepers of both teams. Um, the defense and you know actually i'll add a little extra credit for louisville 
the defensive and midfielders, because I mean, Savina Sambarini is listed as a midfielder. I don't know if she should make them forward a bit more, but like two of our shots, uh, and then one of them that was on goal came from Anouk Denton, who's definitely a defender. Um, you don't see her coming forward a lot, but she's a very, very good defender. But you know, she had the opportunity to step out a little bit there, so very, um, very offensively minded. A uh, couple of shots uh, from Patricia Ward, who's a forward, and then you know, the rest were all pretty much midfielders. So, yeah, one of the things that kind of puzzled me, and, and it also puzzled Case a little bit. Uh, I didn't dare ask Coach about it. Well, I did ask Coach about it after the game, and she gave me kind of a generic answer. But uh, Louisville, who's been getting some very good goalkeeping out of Aaron Floyd throughout the season, uh, for some reason early in the second half, uh, Coach Karen Ferguson days decided to pull Aaron and uh, go with a I call her Opie. It's a, a <laughs> Olivia Pratapus who Pratapus. Pratapus. Yeah. I knew I'd mispronounce that. Yeah, it's. A, we were talking about this before the, the show, and this Jared caught sure that it's, it was. Yeah, yeah, that it is emphasis on the or emphasis on the second syllable. So. Pratapus. I like yeah. Opie better. But anyway, <laughs> and that's what I'm going to. That's what o- I'm going to Opie call being her, her initials, so it's not yeah. totally. Yeah. If I ever interview her, that's what I'm going to yeah. call her and see how she reacts. <laughs> but uh, so. She came in and then, of course, obviously did not allow going and did okay back there. Certainly in a game both, like both that. Both with two saves. So, you know, you got to love that you've got a couple of goalkeepers that can step up there and, and be solid defensive players. A little bit of excitement uh, on one play that uh, certainly saw Jared and Case commenting about uh, during the game in our group chat. Uh, you know, kind of a pass back to her that wasn't maybe handled as well as you would have liked to have seen it handled, but. You know, no no harm done at the end of it. Yeah, and that was early on too in, yeah. in in her appearance on the on the field. Uh, you also have to wonder here a little bit, Jeff. I think about Macy Whitsett went down with a mm-hmm. it looked to be an ankle injury in the first half and never did return to the game. I think that may have been kind of you know rough for the cards after that because she is the leading goal scorer and one of our leading attackers. Yeah, leading gold scorer, leading attackers, and just a leader on the team, from what yeah. I can tell. I, I don't have as good of a sense of the, the the personality and culture on the team as as like Jared and Case do, but uh, she definitely seems like she's out there, really kind of being the the emotional, cultural team lead out there. So that's got to hurt to lose her. Um, let's hope it's minor and that she's back uh, for the next game. Um, but uh, yeah, that you know. Again, you come out with a draw, that's okay. It's not great. But, man, if she'd been in there for longer than that, how much better might things have been? It's it's hard to say. That's the whole thing. Uh, you, you never really know for sure. But I think she would have definitely added to the cards offensive attack and prowess. Probably. Uh, also, another thing which kind of uh, was, was a big factor, too, is the cards had a chance to put a goal in this thing right around the 70th minute when uh, Eddie Chester sub that came in, mm-hmm. got a shot, got a pass that put her up basically inside the box in a straight on shot. Mm-hmm. She fired away at it. Uh, Gerstenberg wasn't able to get a full hand on it, but the ball did hit the top bar and unfortunately ricocheted back down into the box. 
uh, not in the goal, but actually in the box area. And I was able to get a, a clear on that, but uh, there were audible groans up in the press box when that one happened. Because I mean, another inch, and that's that's cold oval. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's let's give a lot of credit to the defense. You know, they they played yeah. strong again against a very good IU team, uh, an IU team that has been you know like we mentioned earlier, <laughs> an IU team that is clearly very defensively minded themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. When you take a look at you know their their scoring prowess has not been fantastic this year. I think they managed three goals against what Indiana State maybe in their last heading. Other than that, they've been playing in scoreless ties. So defense definitely a strategy there for them. Uh, yeah, but, they they have not given up. They they have not given up a goal all season at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, just... it also works hey. pretty well when you're playing. Hey, look who came back. <laughs> yeah, switched over to just uh, cellular data on my phone and said, yeah. well, we figure out what the uh, Spectrum internet wants to do here. Yeah. A little funky. But yeah, Indiana was certainly playing a more of a keep away mindset. Very, you know, you think of little kids when you're throwing a ball around playing keep away. And that's kind of what they did with their back four for a good portion of the match, which, yeah, it, it's great in preventing giving up any goals, but I don't see how playing for a draw every match is going to do much good for you when you get to postseason. I mean, for Indiana, they're 1-0-4 at this point in the season. I think I would much prefer UofL's 3-1-2 and record at this point. One of the things that we were joking about up in the press box of what Jared mentioned, they, they, they're always fear of crossing the midfield line early on in the game as they were just kind of playing to uh, kick the ball back and forth between their four uh, backline defenders back there. And they just, they had seemingly no intention of to get a drive going. Just let's keep it back here and you kick it over to her. No, let's kick it over to her. Is she going to cross the line? No, she's going to kick it backwards again. You see, you see a lot of teams that are able to generate offense off of their defense and, and Louisville does that to a degree as well. But uh, yeah, that's we talk about how great the defense is uh, for IU, and it is. But if you're not generating offense from it, then yeah, you just end up in a situation where you're in scoreless ties all the time. That's not gonna get you to the end of the season, into the end of the postseason, in the end of it. Now, it is perhaps a good foundation upon which now, okay, let's let's work on the offense and get. Um, some offensive production going, um, you know, in practice times, they don't have to focus on defense as much perhaps. And, you know, maybe we'll see them improve, improve over the year, but right, right now it's like, okay, well, you know, there's a solid base there, but you got to get some offensive production going. Yeah. It's just, you know, you've got to be able to find that score. And let's hope that the, everything is turned out. Okay. With Macy and she'll be able to, to come back because they do have a, a little bit of a break here now, not playing again until the 17th, which, uh, you know, seven days away from today. And they've also got Miami coming in the Miami hurricanes, not the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks, but their first conference match against mm -hmm. Miami. Mm -hmm. yeah, Miami's had some big wins this year, but uh, certainly a team I think Louisville can beat. Uh, we'll just see how it kind of turns out. Uh, Coach Ferguson days, I'm sure would love to see a big crowd out for that one. And uh, what, do we know, Jared, is that going to be a 7 or 30 start or 
I believe they are officially looking moving those to seven o'clock as we get later into the. It's a Saturday game, right? Yeah. Yeah, Saturday at seven. Yeah, it is also pups on the pitch, so that's cool. Yeah, I think I'm more excited for for that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The dogs will run amok. Yes, there you go. I missed this last year. I need to get out to this one then. It yeah. sounds like we're getting Jeff out to another match. Hopefully, Case yeah, I... will be out there. And maybe if we can find a way to steal Daryl away from the bats, we could get the full crew again. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. make sure that I'm not I'm available for it in the 17th, right? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see if Daryl will emerge from the bat cave. No, <laughs> their trusted sidekick, Alfred. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. And. <laughs> If Case isn't, you know, in some foreign country, he might like to get that for this one as well. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that is the uh, the night of U of a volleyball versus Stanford, which is a big, big game. That is an away game. That is in Stanford. Kind of was looking at maybe trying to make a trip out there, but uh, I don't know if I'll be able to pull that off. I need to double check into that. But if I'm not in on the West Coast, I'll probably try to get out. Now, are they going to start that? Uh, late because of it being yes. specific time, or it is a 10 p.m. start, 10 p.m. Eastern. So, which is you know, it's seven o'clock um, uh, local time. So it's a reasonable time on the West Coast. But yeah, it makes it really late for us. I've never been to the farm. I would think that would be an interesting trip to go to Stanford. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I've I've kind of talked to some people about it, and as kind of a geek nerd type person, STEM person. You know, maybe going out to Stanford is, is kind of like a pilgrimage, you know. So we'll see. There you go. We'll know, we'll know more about that later. If, if Jeff backs out of next week's broadcast, then all of a sudden it'll be me and Jared holding down the boat here. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean I'll miss the broadcast. Well, maybe. I don't know. Once you get down on the farm, buddy, you know, you just <laughs> never know. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But. So anyway, we hope that, you know, soccer with a couple of days off, everybody can get kind of patched up, peeled up, and get ready for uh, Miami coming in here. Uh, but let's go ahead and move the sport and the type of ball a little bit. Uh, I guess in this case, we'll be going just a, a little bit north or on campus and going over to Traeger where the Cards uh, had their home opener of the year against a very stubborn and very sturdy JMU team, a game that field hockey took a one nothing win on. So we had a local girl from Louisville Sacred Heart, EJ Amorty, got the goal with about uh, at the 40-minute mark in this one to make it one to nothing. That was the only score of the game. The Dukes came in and played us very well defensively, but the Cards did get the goal to win it. The, Jared and I were out there, and uh, Jared, I, I thought that Louisville played fairly well against a, a squad that was was spoiled and primed to come in and get that upset, but unfortunately, they just couldn't seem to get much of an offensive threat started. Yeah, Louisville definitely looked like the better team throughout the match. Uh, I think it was just they couldn't capitalize on some opportunities there in the first half with scoring some some great looks a couple corners in there uh, we've talked about in the past where corners maybe haven't been as efficient as you'd hope uh, but also <clears throat> you have to credit JMU's goalkeeper I thought she played a fantastic match great job back there 
a good awareness, understanding where some of the off-ball position players might have been uh, to kind of block those passing lanes. So, so great job there. Uh, I think their game plan worked out really well. A few errant passes that you typically don't see uh, from the cards, and I think Coach Sherry uh, covered that a little bit there during post-game about you've got a new turf, and after walking out on the turf, sitting on the turf, it's uh, it's I want to say fluffier is probably a good way to put it compared to the older turf, which was harder, a little more bounce to it, uh, but a little bit thicker, so the ball wasn't traveling as far. And I think maybe it's just a team that isn't used to that yet. Uh, so a couple of minor adjustments with things that are a little bit beyond your control. Not too concerned, but hey, you come out with a win. That's the kind of the primary concern, and that's what you need. You got the win. Absolutely, it was as the, the squad was able to improve their record to five and zero this season with that W. Uh, Coach Sorry Sorry called it a good win, but an ugly win. I can kind of see her viewpoint on it and why she said it that way. Uh, certainly, one that you know, at least it didn't turn into a loss, and one that uh, we get to see a. Uh, a rising star for the cards and EJ Morty, who's going to beginning to get more and more playing time, come in and, and get the job done to get that goal in there. Uh, one of the things that I think is we need to look at here, though, is not what happened yesterday, but what's going to happen tomorrow with Michigan coming in to play the cards. Uh, this is a top five matchup. Michigan inexplicably to me is still number four in the nation despite a couple of losses on their record the cards are at number five uh this is a noon start if i'm not mistaken on that and it should be as coach sarry said a real rip snorter out at traeger so uh, thoughts on this one guys yeah i'm nervous about it michigan's a phenomenal team and i think they're gonna throw up they everything they have at the cards and it's going to end up being, I think whoever, you know, can score first and build that momentum is going to be the ones to walk away. But that, I don't foresee this being a, like a one nil match. This has the makings of more like of a three, two type shootout. Jeff, uh, Michigan and, and Louisville have a history against each other the <laughs> last couple of years where the cards knocked, I think Michigan, out of uh, the Final Four a couple years ago, and then Michigan knocked the cards out of the Great Eight a couple years ago. So back and forth on that, but this one being here at home certainly bodes well for us, but uh, this is certainly a match, I think, sir, that uh, we'll see two powerhouses go at each other. Yeah, I mean, it's a top-five matchup. It's, you know, you can't you can't ever take anything like that for granted. Uh, you expect a you expect a good match, and, and Michigan has traditionally been a very good team. Uh, they've come in, and even when they're not favored, have have kind of knocked off some big teams at times. So, um, coming out of a conference that's not as known for field hockey, but uh, they've they've always done a good job, risen above what kind of their conference competition typically is. Um, you gotta, you gotta give them credit, and you gotta take them seriously, and come out and play the game that we know that you're most capable of playing. Uh, but it's, uh, gosh, Michigan always makes me nervous. Certainly, the Wolverines, yeah, are, are a time of team that 
can come in and beat you on your home turf and do it very, very convincingly given the chance to do so. Uh, and then, of course, after that one, a week after that match coming up Sunday, the cards will begin ACC play as they'll bring in UNC North Carolina to trigger that match. Certainly that uh, will be another probably, I think, top five match unless we drop out of the top five, but I don't see that happening. I think it's going to be a top five match. I think Michigan was, uh, I mean, uh, UNC was number two in the last NFHCA poll rankings, if I'm not mistaken there. Michigan? I thought there were four. Oh, UNC. But... Oh, I'm sorry, UNC. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know where they are. Because we're number five. I think I'm pretty sure Michigan was number four, and I think Northwestern is at the top, followed by UNC. But anyway, that'll be a fun one. Of course, that's a couple weeks away from Sunday, so we'll see how that turns out for the cards. But five and zero, oh, you can't complain about it. You got to be happy for them, and certainly hope that they can continue. Uh, certainly getting some very very excellent goal play. Right now, Jared, uh, from uh, a goalkeeper who had four years at VCU and then said, you know, I'm not done playing and I'd like to get myself a graduate year here somewhere. And Coach Sari recognized that, found out about that and said, Sasha, come on in. I need a goalkeeper and you just might be the one. Yeah, she's uh, looked pretty solid back there so far. Uh, I don't think she's given up more than one goal in a match yet at this point, and then got the shutout yesterday. Uh, I think we're going to really need her experience back there against this veteran Michigan team, uh, well-versed Michigan team that's going to be in town tomorrow. And then looking ahead to North Carolina, who's just always a, a threat. They're always a favorite to win the national championship in field hockey. Uh, so, so Shelly, it's going to be getting her money's worth these next two matches. Absolutely so, and of course, admission is free to Traeger for field hockey matches. So, come on out there, you know, spend a couple of nice Sundays out there, right? Have some fun with it. I know, yes, you know, you're going to tell me, but Paulie, the NFL is starting, yada, yada, yada. doesn't matter. You know, you can watch NFL all day Sunday if you want. It doesn't matter. Come on out and watch some great field hockey, because there are some very good, very good field hockey matches coming up here over the next couple of weeks and then you don't want to miss them. Come on ahead and have some fun with it. Have some fun with it. Uh, I think that will about cover it for field hockey. We'll, we'll move on into what's been going on with the cards as far as volleyball goes next year. And I know just been anxiously awaiting this segment of the show here. <laughs> We'll get into it, but we're going to start out on a downer, Jeff, losing yes. to Ohio State. What a bit of a mixed bag this week. Yeah, uh, Ohio State was Sunday, and uh, I, I mean, the only thing you can really say about it is just U of L just didn't play well. Uh, did not play the way that we know that they're capable of, right? I mean, that's the phrase that I use a lot, but we, we know what this team can do. We know how they can play, and they just didn't do well. Uh, credit to Ohio State. They attacked our middle, which takes a lot of our uh, game plan really kind of and shuffles it up a little bit and really causes but puts us on the back foot a bit. Uh, but uh, credit credit that they game planned against us really well. But 
even without that, we just were were missing shots and that you know we're we're well within our capabilities as a team. So uh, definitely a little disappointing. Uh, they took us in four. We got the first set looked pretty good in the first set, and then just the wheels fell off. Um, I'm still not convinced that this team has is comfortable with playing on that other side of the net, the side of the net that they play on for sets two and four, uh, because they haven't played on that side of the net in several years, right? With all the COVID stuff where they quit, didn't switch sides. Now they're back switching sides or playing. It, it really seems like when they go to that side of the net, they don't play as well. So, um, we got to get that out of our system. Uh, I was talking about it with some people last night. They're like, well, they need to just switch sides in their practices as well. In practices, they go side to side as opposed to lengthwise. But yeah, maybe it's worth it to set it up lengthwise and, and just get them in, into playing that that side of the net. So I don't know. Um, you know, shanking passes, hitting into blocks, you know, things that, that we know how to do better and just it didn't happen Sunday. So. One of the unfortunate things, since the, the crowd was in there and they were all fired up for this one, and uh, unfortunately, I didn't think, and Jared, you were down on the floor, you maybe can kind of uh, elaborate on this a little bit as well. I don't think Ico Jones had one of her better outings against Ohio State, and I also think, and we had talked about this earlier in the show, there are some questions about who's going to be that middle for the cards, is it going to be Kara Cressy? I mean, she's six six, but we saw some examples in the match, uh, obviously, that the cards had against Purdue, where there's been some substitutions and changes around an era. What's the state of this card team? And then tell us what you saw out there, Jared, and then the Ohio State match. Yeah, uh, as Jeff said, it just didn't look like the UL team that we're used to seeing. I don't know what was going on. Uh, they certainly panicked there at one point, too. I don't know if maybe the pressure of trying to repeat a regular season, undefeated regular season, was too much, or they just had something else going on in their heads there. But yeah, I don't really want to concern myself too much with one loss on the year, especially to a top 10 team. It sucks to lose, but hey, if you're going to get a loss, at some point, go on and get it out of the way early in the year against a ranked opponent. Plenty of time to bounce back. And, I mean, you're still hanging out number four, so you're still at one of the national hosts for the Supers regional round. Or, what is that, the Sweet 16 Elite Eight round? Yeah. Uh, just burst it off, move on. I thought they performed much better against Purdue. Still not as clean and crisp as they should be. I think the backward passing was certainly a struggle. Uh, but they cleaned up the the serving a lot, and I think their presence at the net uh, was a bit stronger, too. As the cards took that loss, but uh, as I think Coach Busboom said, there are two types of games, ones that you win and ones that you learn from. This is certainly one that you learn from as the cards moved on to bring in Purdue. That's right. The Boilermakers, uh, they had ranked Purdue at number nine in the nation going into this one. So technically this was a top 10 matchup, Jeff, and certainly a matchup that the cards got the broom out, got a sweep on Purdue, but it wasn't a very, very easy. <laughs> it wasn't easy. 
sweep <laughs> at all, was it, sir? No, it was not at all. Uh, the first set looked uh, solid, uh, but it was uh, definitely still not not at the level of play that I think the the team's capable of. But uh, you know, credit to Purdue, they come out they came out well. I I always say never underestimate any team that is coached by a person named Shondell. Uh, they're just, it's a, you know, volleyball family in the region. They have a lot of, uh, you know, have done a lot of great things with a lot of different teams. Dave Shondell has been the head coach at Purdue for God knows how long it's been decades. Um, and he does this great thing and he's all, his team's always prepared. They come out and they play well. Um, and that's what we saw last night. Uh, they, they, they played well. It was a, you know, top 10 team. Uh, the play was worthy of that. It was exciting, uh, particularly down to the wire. Oh my goodness. More about that in a second, I suspect. Um, it's, this is, they're a good team and, and you, you can't, they, they play quick. Uh, uh, they're, they're not as big and tall as some other Midwestern teams can be. Uh, you think of like big 12 teams tend to be big power teams. Big Ten teams tend to be uh, a little more quicker uh, in the way they play, and and certainly Purdue is that as well. Um, it, it was it was a good match. I was one I was looking forward to. I always look forward to our matches against Purdue, and it it did not disappoint. This one one worthy cards, uh, as we mentioned, won all three sets and actually started the first set very very good with three straight points before Purdue said uh uh-uh. uh. Don't think so. They tied it up at 4-4. Louisville turned around and went on a 5-0 run, which put them ahead you know, just by a little bit, and then the Boilermakers fought their way back into this thing, cutting Louisville's lead to 16-14. But uh, the Cards uh, went on a 6-0 run after that, getting a couple of aces in the process and pulled ahead comfortably and then got this win by seven points. Over the Boilermakers, uh, it was an auspicious start, but you had to maybe be wondering in the back of your mind, Jared, yeah, we won the first set against Ohio State, too, and... Yeah, got the first set win, and you got to feel a little bit nervous still going forward after what happened with Ohio State. <clears throat> and Purdue looks a bit tougher and better there in the second set. They made some adjustments, so... Uh, a few concerns, but you know, UVL was able to kind of respond well and put together a couple, I don't want to really say many runs, but two, three points in the, at a time there and pull ahead just enough to get the win. Um, third set, you get the third set and you're just hoping, all right, cool, let's go on and see if we can't get this done in sweet fashion and get out of here. But uh, Purdue certainly had their own mindset in that and really pushed forward. And you're thinking, oh, man, 24-18, I guess we're going to be looking at a four set. Uh, but Louisville didn't feel like playing four sets. And with Raquel Lotharow back there uh, setting and some good sets, a couple key blocks, a couple hitting errors on the Purdue side. And next thing you know, we're going into what you want to call maybe extra extra points, extra innings there in the third set the cards to win it it was pretty magical wasn't it Jeff to see us down 24-18 and, and after a second set which we'd really basically trailed 
most mm -hmm. of the second set until we came back and, and, and took the lead late at 1817. Uh, this was just a magical comeback, one that I'm sure the Cardinal volleyball fans will remember for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was looking at the score going 24-18. I said, okay, this is, a, this is a big hill to climb. I said, I don't, mentally, internally in my head, I was saying, I don't put it beyond this team to do it. Um, particularly seeing that Raquel Lathoro was back there serving. Um, she's a very good server. We replaced one good serving setter with another very good serving setter. So that's that's always nice. Uh, and it, it, you know, I looked back there and I said, okay, there's there's a chance here we can we can reel off six and get back to a 24-24 and push the set on to to more points that way and that is exactly what happened right i mean raquel reeled off six straight uh service ace or two in there i think um a couple of missed swings by purdue helped us out uh but yeah i was i was looking at it going okay this is a this is a big hill to climb we're probably gonna go to a fourth set but let's not, you know, it's not over yet. You know, let's let's see how this plays out. And pleasantly, uh, it was a very pleasant uh, outcome uh, with that to see that that uh, nine to one run at the end to 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 win that third set and win the match. The cards, uh, yeah, we're almost on the brink of extinction at twenty five twenty four for the third mm -hmm. set, but we're able to come back. Get that tying point to send it into extra volleyball, as they like to say, and then got the next two points to claim the win, the set, and the match. And uh, not without a little bit of drama, uh, though. Yeah, I was just about <laughs> to lead into that. Uh, there was quite a lengthy wait to find out the oh, final buddy. point was the actual point. That, what was going on there, Jeff? Yeah, so uh, the the you know fairly typical rally uh, back and forth. The call on the court uh, was that Purdue was in the net. Uh, Purdue player was in the net on that. Uh, going up on a block, uh, I think it was Ica that was swinging. Uh, going up on the block, didn't get the block, but the call was that they hit the net while they were doing it. Um, Shondell, quite reasonably, because you, you challenge to overturn that or you lose the match, challenges. Says, hey, I don't think they're in the net. Um, Totally understand. It's a good challenge. Absolutely very good challenge. Uh, brilliant move on his part. Uh, the referee, the down ref goes over and looks, starts looking at the video, and it is a very long review. Uh, goes back out, talks to the up ref. They have a little radio communication, then goes back to the video and watches it some more. Crowd starts getting a bit restless, <laughs> as they want to do in that sort of situation, and eventually comes out and calls the point for the Cardinals. Uh, to seemingly affirm the call. What's really interesting about this, however, first of all, the, the delay added to the drama of it. But what's really interesting is what the down ref called was that there was not a net violation on it. Uh, but in reviewing the play, he determined that there was a touch on the ball. And the ball did fall out of bounds, but it was, there was a touch on the ball. Uh, so... While the call on the floor was technically overturned, it was a different call made. It was the same result <laughs> that the cards got the point and the win and the, the set and match. So uh, it was a little crazy to kind of watch it. Uh, a very tense atmosphere in there watching that. So 
Um, I initially thought that a net violation was a different challenge from a touch or an in or out of bounds. I knew that touches and in and out of bounds were the same same challenge, but I thought the net was a separate one, which would mean that the officials would not have been should not have been able to review it. I did actually. I went and pulled up the NCAA rules for volleyball and looked that up. It is actually the same challenge, so the refs were perfectly okay in what they did and reviewing all of that and saying, "Yeah, okay, there was there wasn't a net, but there was a touch, so it was still a Cardinals point." So crazy. What? They kept showing us uh, watching it on the internet at home or wherever. There seemed to be a major question on whether that ball was in or out. And they kept showing replays of that. That seemed to be a minor factor. Yeah, because I thought pretty clearly it was out. (laughs) You know, so I'm not sure what they were looking at there. They kept bombarding us with that, which led me to believe, well, I mean, look at that. That ball's clearly out. Come on. Yeah. But then the, the touch there, Jared. You were actually down on the floor. What were you seeing down there? Uh, yeah, my focus was more on the team and just trying to capture a reaction in the event that they awarded Louisville the point. <clears throat> a very restless team. Uh, they were eager to go on and get that point and celebrate, and they were ready uh, to charge the floor. <laughs> yes, and yeah. being delayed by several minutes you could see their jitters coming out and yeah. it started to feed into the fans as the review progressed in time and started getting a few boos and grumbles from the fans. But uh, as a fan and you're wanting to celebrate, rightfully so, you're going to express some aggravation there. But you got to get the call right. That's what replay is there for. <clears throat> I'm glad it went in our favor. But yeah, if you're going to have replay, make sure you get the call right. Uh, whether it works out for you or not. I'm glad they did. And yeah, the big energy, big celebration as soon as that uh, point was awarded. Uh, fans erupting, teams rushing the court, everything. Uh, great smiles, great emotions. It's a top 10 win, and you just, you just swept that opponent. I, th- I think there's plenty to celebrate, and especially after coming off that loss, being able to bounce back and get a three, three set win. There was indeed and also a bit of consternation on the Purdue side, uh, the little little brother, as we kind of termed him, uh, Coach's uh, youngest brother, younger brother, was very, very upset like that and looked like he was ready to have a bare-chested, bare-knuckled brawl with anybody who got within five feet of him after this one. I don't know if there's a place for that in volleyball. Come on, man. Yeah, he got a bit hot and bothered uh, and, and actually got kind of pulled back away by one of the other assistant coaches. Um, they, they commented on the telecast that that coaching staff is basically unchanged in 20 years. So, like, they know what they're doing. They know each other. They know what the situation is. And, and yeah, the other assistant coach pulled John, I think is his name, John Chandel, uh back away, said, hey, no, no, chill out. You, you can't be doing that. So, um he was upset, and and like I can understand that's a really rough way to lose a match of volleyball, right? Um, to to go down to the wire, be an extra points, to have the challenge, to to think you've got the challenge, and then it turns out that another call gets called that they didn't call live. It's you know that's it's a rough way to lose. Um, so I can certainly understand why emotions were high. But you also got to be a little better than that as far as you got to keep it under control. 
it's one of those moments where you wish that the cards had maybe a Sam Fury and Emily Inksler, Maisha Hans Allen type who could just duck under that net and tell him to shut up. Nah. And you I, I, yeah. Like that. yeah. Again, you, you kind of got to be better than that. And, and yeah, you know, they always did, but they certainly weren't above some, some strong stairs, you know, <laughs> one of those things that uh, kind of highlighted at the end of the match there for sure. But the, mm-hmm. the cards with the win have now, found out that they will be facing Lipscomb tonight. Uh, a bit of surprise there, Jeff. Uh, a little bit. Xavier match. Yeah. Xavier came out on top of this last year, this matchup last year uh, between the two of them. And I kind of expected it again this year. I haven't really watched either team much, so I, I don't know that much about them. So maybe Lipscomb has stepped up their game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see this evening. Uh, but uh, I kind of, you know, if I if I were going to predict, I think I said something in some articles earlier in the season that I kind of expected Xavier to be our opponent uh, tonight, but uh, it's not. Uh, Lipscomb did get the win. It was a sweep. Uh, that was they were apparently all close sets, uh, but uh, they did get the sweep, and so they'll be our opponent tonight. The interesting uh, aspect of this is, given the way that this events overall event is structured. With you know the winners of the first night matches playing uh, each other and the losers of the first night matches playing each other, um, scheduling was unknown uh, ahead of time. The specific scheduling, you uh, only knew that they were playing the seven o'clock match both games uh, because we're the home team. We get to do that, uh, but we were in this situation last year where we won against Purdue in the first set. And then we didn't know when the next game was going to be on the next night. We didn't know if it was going to be at four o'clock or seven o'clock because we had to wait for the second match to be over. Uh, It was being hosted by Xavier and we had to wait for is, did Xavier win or did they lose to find out who our opponent would be. And then based on that, then are we playing the first game if we were going to play Lipscomb or the later game, if we played Xavier. Of course, Xavier won last year. We ended up playing Xavier. We played at seven. Uh, we were we were at uh, four o'clock the first time because we we're playing Purdue seven o'clock in the evening. In this case, we get seven o'clock both of them, and Purdue gets the seven o'clock game last night and the four o'clock game to get today, regardless. But Xavier and Lipscomb were in this kind of uncertain area of going. We don't know when this match is actually going to happen until after our match was over last night. There's absolutely a quick recovery time there for yeah. them them uh, to face a very good Purdue team. Uh, and, and the big question is, and I get asked this one occasionally whenever Lipscomb pops up as a Cardinal opponent. Where is Lipscomb? It's Nashville. There you go. Yeah. Jeff Nails, a one of five actually universities yeah. based in the Nashville area. Oh gosh, Lipscomb, Belmont, Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm not Let's sure. See can, let's see if he can get the other two. Um... Hmm. I don't know. Let's see. There's what, uh, like a Tennessee Tech or Martin or one of them. No, not Martin. Martin. Tennessee Tennessee State. Further north. Tennessee State is outside of Nashville, isn't it? Not that I know of. I know the Tennessee Tech is. Tennessee Tech is, definitely. And I know the Tennessee Martin is, but I thought the Tennessee. It It is in Nashville. Yeah. Okay. I stand corrected. There you go. All right. Tennessee so, State's uh, HBCU, right? 
I'm not sure what yeah. those initials mean, but I'll agree with it's you. Historically black college and university. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, they are. Traditionally, yes, yeah. HBCU. But, uh, they are indeed, but mm-hmm. certainly I've uh, never been to their campus, as it were, down there, although I've visited the other campuses before, visited the other arenas, although it used to be in the old days where Vanderbilt would play <clears throat> their their basketball games in this little antiquated gymnasium that they had on campus. Uh, they finally moved those over to the event center uh, in downtown Nashville. But one of the funnest times we ever had down there is when they were playing down there in basketball years ago, guys. And uh, that was the game that the <clears throat> Louisville ended up losing the game to Vanderbilt. And Howie Lindsay had an appendicitis attack during the game. Oh. Yeah. He was sitting there. I went over to talk to him at halftime. He says, I'm not feeling very good. He said, must have been something I ate. And then I walked over to uh, where Sony and I were sitting. And then 10 minutes later, he wasn't there. Mm. And I'm kind of like, uh-oh. Yeah. What's going on? Did he say something that got him objected? Or did he go throw up? Or what's happening there? Yeah. One of the uh, Nashville uh, sports writers was nice enough to tell me after the game, no, they carted him out of here. He was having intense pains, and uh, the EMS guy seemed to think it was his appendix. Mm. So scary stuff. Yeah, I always remember so that one. Yeah, who's the fourth? Who's the fifth one then? We meant it's Tennessee State, Vanderbilt, Lipscomb, Belmont. You said five, right? Yeah, yeah, there were five of them down there. I don't know Belmont. who the fifth is. American Baptist College? Is that nope? Nope. I'm looking right now at that, think. and I'll let you know in just a second. I'm not coming up with you. We've got Belmont. We've got Lipscomb. Fisk University Fisk. is down there. Jeff, what you say? Huh. Uh, a smaller school. And then, of course, okay. uh, Vanderbilt, as we mentioned, is down there. Uh, so Interesting. Okay. That covers it, along with Tennessee State being your fifth one on yeah. there. Uh, but Fisk, yeah, we, and, and Fisk has you know, got a name, got a that people remember, but you know, I went to Fisk. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but another one of those. Uh, also, also is an HBCU. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, well, I didn't know that. So, Nashville has a lot of fun things down there, including five universities. You know. Huh. Uh, so anyway, yeah, the Lipscomb coming up. Uh, that'll be a fun one to watch uh, for the cards to play in. And certainly, if you can get on out, uh, if you can get, get a ticket, that's the key. Because these are what separately ticketed events. They are, yeah, they're doing them separately, and I think that's more to give a little control over the the U of L match attendance, because these are, these are basically well, every home match so far has been a sold out match. So rather than having people just come in willy nilly in the first set and then have to deal with, hey, do you have tickets or not? Um, they're just doing it separately to, to be able to get control. It also then allows uh, fans of these other teams, Purdue and, and Xavier in this case, to be able to more easily get tickets because, you know, there's UofL tickets are pretty much sold out at this point. So yeah, they did. Uh, the volleyball uh, Twitter account just did tweet about an hour and a half, two hours ago, maybe that some tickets did become available for tonight. So there may be still are some available, but hurry if you want to try and get some so and certainly a drivable match for both Xavier and Lipscomb you know absolutely yeah about two and a half hours out uh, 
Uh, Jared, are you going to try to attend both of these, or are you just going to go to the uh, the cards match? Uh, just the UofL match for me tonight, so I'm not going to see the, the Xavier-Purdue match. Jared uh, burned the midnight oil last night getting yeah. everything together, writing all the articles. He didn't have anybody to send the photos to because he had the write-up, so he had to post his own photos, but I encourage you all to go read the Saturday edition of Cardinal Couple Radio, uh, the Cardinal Couple website article because it's a very, very good write-up, uh, Jared, as you kind of, I win, you win, we all win, using Oprah's uh, <laughs> for the Cardinal victories that day. So, uh, guys, we've ended up here at noon, and uh, well-timed show today as we covered just about everything I think we could think of in all of the sports today and got done right at noon so i would say it'd uh, be time for us maybe to progress and do some final thoughts uh, we'll go ahead and start out with jared this week yeah i'm just uh, glad to see a lot of wins happy for volleyball to be able to bounce back after last week and get a win against the ranked opponent uh, glad to see field hockey come home and get a win to pick off their new turf at the field, which is really nice. And then uh, a little pleasant surprise. Uh, you know, I, don't, I know we don't cover football here, but happy to see a good portion of the fan base that does follow football get to actually witness a win last night. Uh, so it put everybody in good spirits, uh, regardless of what team or teams you cheer for. Yeah, and, and not following football as closely as I have in past years. Uh, I do know that the majority of the people that I talked to about this thing coming up here against UCF who follow football a lot closer than I do anymore were telling me, we got no chance down there. They're going to kill us. So maybe a little bit of sour grapes, Jeff, from the loss that the cards had to start the season, but certainly I think it was a, uh, you know, if you're going to take steps in the right direction. Maybe this is a baby step toward the right direction. We'll have to see, though, how that turns out against the, against a very good Florida State team next week mm. in the confines of Cardinal Stadium. So that should be fun to watch. Yep. But uh, it's Civil War week in uh, Jared's household. Y- yes, it is indeed, as Katie has locked him out of the, you know, <laughs> the bedroom, has told him, you don't come in this apartment unless you're wearing FSU garb. And has even gone to painting the car with the, you know, the Chief Osceola on the side of it. So yeah, she's she's got her ticket for Friday night, and thankfully I don't have to sit with her because I'll be able to. Do it. <laughs> and and he stuck her in the middle of a U of L fan base, so that's that's very nice. So I think she, she got a free ticket, so she'll be happy to sit with whomever she has to. For the yeah, I would think that she might you know, give that. FSU AD a call. She got along so well with him in basketball. <laughs> and maybe get invited to his box. You know, yeah. sit up there, but I guess not. Huh? Okay. All right. Uh, so moving on with it then, I guess that, that uh, leads to final thoughts probably down to me. Yeah, I haven't done one yet, but go ahead. Have you got one yet? Oh, I, I haven't had a chance to better do that one yet. I'm still scrambling for Okay, one. yeah. Uh, I'm going to go totally off topic. Uh, Jared, at least, stayed in sports. Uh, I'm going to go totally off topic. Uh, I'm I'm pretty well known as being a, kind of a geek and nerd and, you know, STEM kind of guy. The Louisville Maker Fair 
is going on, started at 10 o'clock, is going on on campus at the Student Activity Center. It goes on until 6 p.m. Very cool, a lot of fun. Uh, if you're interested in electronics or rocketry, model rocketry, or whatever, just making things, doing things, working with your hands, doing cool stuff, innovative stuff, come out and check it out. A bunch of exhibits, uh, a couple of different, uh, the Manual High School Rocketry Club, the University of Louisville Rocketry Club is there. Uh, my nephew's really big into rocketry right now, so that's why I'm highlighting that. But uh, a lot of really cool stuff. These are always a lot of fun. University of Louisville's help supporting it now, which is great. Uh, through six o'clock, of course, the volleyball match starts at seven. So you can come down there, go to the Maker Fair, hang out, grab a bite to eat, and head over to volleyball if you if, if you've got tickets. So. so there you go. It's a full day for you, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as I go, just a kind of a a final thought: uh, a sport that we don't cover as as much as we do the main prime sports throughout the seasons, but one that's certainly very important to Louisville is Louisville women's golf. Uh, they had their media day the other day, the season right around the corner for them. Uh, of course, the big question, you know, about Louisville golf is this year. Okay, how are they going to be, again, without Lauren Hartledge? But it's kind of time to move on from that. Uh, Coach has got some very, very fine golfers on her squad. She's got some golfers that will, I think, be competitive this year in ACC and also the, the, the tournaments that they play in. So uh, I've made myself kind of a, you can't call it a New Year's vow, really. But I made myself kind of a vow here to pay just a little bit more attention to covering some of the things that go on with the golf program and and uh, make sure that they get the coverage that they deserve, guys. So I'll be following those results and, and trying to do some profiles. And uh, who knows, I might even get a chance to go down and do it. Another interview down at the golf complex, which was so much fun last time. And I might bring my putter, too, to try the indoor <laughs> putting green. But we'll see how that happens. But uh, that will do it for us here. We certainly appreciate everybody listening. And uh, unless you know something we don't, we'll be back at uh, 11 a.m. next Saturday for another edition of the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour podcast. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Cardinal Couple Radio Hour. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to give us a rating or review and subscribe to the show in your podcast player of choice. We're available on all of the major podcast players. And be sure to check out the site at cardinalcouple.com for the daily column bringing you the joy and excitement of mobile women's athletics. Mm-hmm.